0: Really glad to to have you here tonight. I met a few of you that are visiting, and so it is just a real treat to have you here, and I hope, uh, just so you kind of know what's to come, uh, this guy here is going to talk for a little bit, and then uh, we're going to move into a time of just reflection a little bit. We'll have communion both sides of the room that you're welcome to participate in. You don't have to, but it's there if you want to, and then uh, we're going to have a couple songs to kind of wind down the evening as part of that reflection, and so um, if you have your Bibles, you can take those. And if you don't know where 2 Samuel is, it's in the Old Testament. Old Testament has a lot of books, so good luck trying to find it. Um, before we get there, in just a few moments. And we started the series called Baggage last week. And this idea that as we go through life, we're going to pick up baggage along the way. And baggage is either maybe something to deal with loss, maybe you had a loss, and it's just there's some reverberating effects of that, just some kind of residual stuff that kind of hangs with you. Maybe it's something that you suffered that you went through, maybe it was a a sense of a choice that you made that in hindsight you just kind of go, oh gosh, why did I do that? And you're suffering from some of that. And we have a tendency, maybe it was a growing up experience, maybe something done to you. I, I don't know what that is, but here's what I do know. We all have baggage. We talked about traveling. In fact, we asked the question last week, where's the furthest part? You've traveled now. Here's the other thing I want to ask you tonight. How many of you travel with a bag? Really? Half of you? (laughs) Seriously. So you travel with a bag. Do any of you do something with that bag so that when it's coming around the turnstiles, you actually know that's your bag? How many of you, like, put a ribbon on it? Or like you, you pack your kid in it and you're listening for them pounding. <laughs> I don't know what you do. But um, maybe, maybe you have something that identifies your bag. And we have those what we call bag tags. And last week we said, hey, part of this healing process of dealing with our baggage is we had, remember these name tags, these luggage tags. We said, hey, we're going to name it. We kind of named our baggage. And we kind of brought that. And this name it, bring it, leave it. This, this pattern of life. And I actually have a couple that I was going to give away here. Uh, lady... Would a lady like an owl? Luggage tag, would you? Okay, you ready? I don't wanna hit you. How about a guy, mustache? Come on, come on, you want that, you want that. Uh, All right, right back there, heads up. I have no idea where that's gonna go. Man, I wish I had more, that was kind of fun. (coughs) Quick, go to the store, get me another one. Um, Maybe next week. So these luggage tags, and here's what I want you to do. Turn to your neighbor and your neighbor's right beside you, that's the person next to you, and just say, hey, here's what I do to my bag to identify that. You got five seconds, ready? Go. Five seconds, what do you do to identify your bag when you're traveling? What have you done? So when it's making its way around, you see it and go, yes, that's my bag, I see it. All right, how many of you have a... How many of you, let's just be honest, you have ugly luggage on purpose? Okay, that's some of you. Um, Like it's the hot pink hard case bag and it's for a guy and you're like, hey, I know no one else is going to pick that up and walk away with it. That's mine. Maybe you have that. I remember traveling overseas to Central Asia. We had 24 of us. So think about that. 24 high school students going international. We had these yellow ribbons that we would... Tag on our bags we had 42 bags between these 24 people and just the sight of that is scary if you've ever seen just large groups of people in the airport traveling together and then to make sure no one forgot theirs we'd always double check and triple check and we're counting bags all the times and here's what we realized we are very familiar with baggage when it comes to traveling but the truth is We're also familiar with baggage when it comes to traveling through life. We may not talk about it. In fact, often we try to hide it. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. Often, uh, maybe sometimes we actually enjoy carrying our baggage and we kind of wear it as a badge sometimes. Like, here's my honor. Here's why I am the way I am. And so we kind of hold our baggage, we may dazzle it, we may kind of decorate it up a little bit, we, we put certain things on it to draw attention, maybe sometimes we walk around with baggage in life and we don't even know it, but we recognize it on other people, don't we? Because we're always like, hey, that person over there, they, they got some issues. <laughs> They've got what? <laughs> They've got baggage. And yet, in the mirror, we sometimes don't even acknowledge it for ourselves. And this truth is, last week, here's the bottom line of what we looked at last week. We will all acquire baggage as we go through life, but thanks to the grace of Jesus, friend, you are not required to carry it. You will always acquire it, but you are not required to carry it. That's the point of name it, bring it, leave it. I want to kind of pick up with that a little bit because I think that's a rhythm that's healthy for us as we deal with baggage as we go through life because the truth is we all will acquire it. And, you know, even if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here tonight and maybe you're just kind of investigating, you know, just his statements about life and just who he is and just kind of investigating faith in general, I just, I'm proud of you for being here and I hope that maybe tonight just kind of helps you take a next step in part of that investigation because the truth is, here's what we know. Whether you're a believer or not, being healthy matters. Like, we seek that out and we we recognize. That's why I always have the saying, healthy people seek counsel. Unhealthy people pretend they don't need it. Isn't that true? I love getting together at lunch with my friend Mark. And I sit down with Mark about once every six, seven, eight weeks. Mark and I go to lunch. He's a counselor here in town. And I say, Mark, here's me. Here's where I'm at. And just be able to process with him and with a couple other mentors. I love that because here's what I know. I am not perfect. But doggone it, I'm gonna do everything I can to be healthy. And that's part of this pursuit that Jesus invites us onto. And into this invitation that we can move toward health. We can move towards something better. Remember our question from last week in John chapter five where Jesus is standing and he says to that guy, do you want to get well? See, Jesus never assumes that we do. He asks and invites, do you want? get well and if you do then i've got a better way remember this is kind of the verse we're using for this whole entire series it's in matthew chapter 11 i'll just read it to you matthew chapter 11 jesus is kind of overlooking this crowd and he sees some things he sees some people traveling through life and they've got some issues they've got some baggage that maybe they recognize maybe they don't and here's what he said to them come to me all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. I'm going to help you live free and travel light. I'm going to give you some rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. You'll find rest. You'll be able to unpack and deal with the baggage that comes your way because you will acquire it. But thanks to Jesus, you're not required to carry it with you everywhere you go. See, healthy people seek out counsel. We wanna be a church that creates a culture of freedom. Not a church that just adds on extra baggage or, or helps you carry more, but a church that says, no, no, this is about living free and traveling light because Jesus is always inviting people to something better. He's saying, look, you will pick up baggage along the way and sometimes it's our hidden baggage that weighs the most, and I think you know where I'm going. It's that hidden baggage, that, that secret baggage, you know, the kind of bags that you kind of tuck maybe in the backpack part of life, and, and no one ever looks in there. It's, it's the kind of bags that, that no one can really maybe even identify from just eyesight or from the way that you conduct or live your life, maybe they begin to see some cracks, maybe they begin to see something along the way, but maybe at first glance they can't quite tell. And here's what we know. Any kind of baggage that's secret or hidden, it's just heavy. And we try to hide it, we can try to camouflage it, we can even say um, it's not even there, we can go into denial, but we know... And it actually gets heavier and see this idea of hiding things well we pick that up early on don't we remember your kids or remember when you were a kid and <clears throat> you'd get that craving for the cookies remember and you would go to the cookie counter the just the you know the, the cookie jar there maybe you grab a few and then you would run and, and your parent maybe they would hear the quiet in the house And as a parent, or maybe you're an aunt and uncle and you're you're babysitting type thing, and and quiet is never really a good thing, is it, in a house full of kids? In fact, that's usually the first tip. So if you're a kid, here, be noisy. Make noise. And so, because quiet kind of tips you off to something. I remember even with our kids, just occasionally when it just gets real, like, eerie quiet, and as a parent, you're like, okay, radar, whoa. <laughs> and you go hunting for them. And they're harder to find, why? Because they're quiet. <laughs> and that's not good because you find them in the closet and they're eating like a jar full of cookies. And they're like, loom, loom. why'd you do that? <laughs> and you know, after they finally swallow it, And it's just this notion that hiding is a part of our life. It, we've been doing it, oh wow, from the beginning. Haven't we? Isn't that the human culture? It, just this idea of hiding is, is kind of part of our DNA, if you will. And sometimes we can even do that with our baggage. We can kind of begin to cover up, begin to have these secrets, if you will. And here's the truth about cover-ups. Cover-ups are like a mirage. They, they th- we think they're real and that they're really going to help us. But the truth is they're elusive and they're void of everything they promise. And so sometimes when we go to cover up things, whatever that thing may be for you. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's just a habit that kind of gets you sideways in life. And you know it does. And you, you know it isn't God's best for you. But you, you don't know how to break it. Maybe it's a grudge that you've been carrying for a really long time. And you kind of nurse it deep down in your soul. You don't tell anyone about it, but you, you even begin to recognize, even in yourself and maybe other people that begin to point it out to you, that it's actually affecting every other relationship you have, but yet you kind of live in that denial that, oh, that's not really, I have the right to have that. And Maybe it's a different pattern. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a choice that you made. And I want to look at a narrative, a story from King David's life that is going to deal with one particular scenario that he faced, but the truth is I want to take it bigger than just that particular scenario that he unwraps because I think it's this whole notion of the cover-up of how we try to hide our baggage sometimes. And We come to this path, this decision, this so moment that we have a choice, and I want us to kind of see that today. So if you have your Bibles, go to Second Samuel chapter 11. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, if you watch the Bible miniseries, you saw this story kind of play out, and, and you know this story. In fact, if you've been around church or around the Bible at all, you kind of know where this story is going. This is David and, and, a, and a lady. Her name is Bathsheba. So maybe now you're beginning to see where the story is going. And can I just read to you kind of the setup, the scenario? So things are going really well for David, okay? So he's the king. He's ultimately in power. His kingdom is actually pretty well established. It's been, uh, he's been on the run for a lot of years against Saul, this king that was trying to hunt him. And now that's kind of put to rest and Saul's out of the picture. David's kind of well established in the kingdom, so to speak, is kind of experiencing what you could say is a peaceful time. There's still these conflicts and things they deal with. In fact, you'll read about that some here, but there's really a sense of identity for the nation of Israel, there's, things are going pretty well. <clears throat> and in the spring, verse 1, at the time when kings would go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. So David doesn't go. Here's what it says. They destroyed those that they went after, but David remained in Jerusalem. In springtime, when the kings would go off to war, eh, not this time. I'll take a rain check. I'm going to let someone else do it. I'm going to give myself some space. So David stays home. One evening, David got up from his bed. He walked around the roof. Maybe he's got indigestion. Maybe he needs some pepto I don't know what's going on. He's out on his roof in the palace. And from the roof, he sees a woman bathing. This woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elim and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Then she went back home. And David has this story that's unfolded, right? So it's in this moment that David, okay, maybe... See, temptation is not a sin. Temptation will get you to a place where you could choose to go down a path. And David makes that choice in this moment. He chooses to go after something that isn't his. He goes down a path outside of the boundaries of what he knows is right and God's best for him, and he chooses it anyway. But he thinks this is just a one and done. This is over. It's just something I can keep hidden. I can just hide it. And, and I don't know what that, this thing is for you. We know what it is for David in this moment. But the truth is we all can struggle with hidden baggage. What you fill in the scenario for you whatever that may be, because we all have it. And if the truth is, we have this moment where we can choose to to act in that or choose not to and choose a different path, and David chooses this path, and it takes him somewhere that he thinks it can just stay hidden. But here's the truth. Secrets are never truly a secret, are they? Secrets just aren't ever truly a secret. We think they might be, we think that they should be, we think that we can keep it under wraps, but see, sometimes this baggage has a life of its own. What's interesting in this story is just the next verse. So the end of verse five, uh, he went back, she went back home, he's back in the palace, things are just going fine. All of a sudden, this woman conceived and sends a word to David. Well, that had to take a few weeks. And a few weeks down the line, he gets this message, hey, I'm pregnant. Whoa. Now look at verse six. Here's the so moment. Verse six starts with this word. So, dot, dot, dot. So, David decides to do the right thing. David looks at the scenario and the situation that's affecting him, and he says, You know, gosh, man, I could keep this hidden and I could do everything. But so I'm at this path and I'm going to choose to do the right thing. I'm actually going to try to figure out how to face this and how to do, how to repair, how to do some kind of restoration, some kind of reconciliation with Uriah and it's his wife. And I don't know what, this is going to be ugly and I can't believe I did that. And I'm just going to have to face the piper. I'm just, I'm going to have to make this right. So David does that, right? No. No. So, what does David do? Well, you can read the rest of the story. I'll tell you what David does. David sends for Uriah, who's out in the battlefield. This is Bathsheba's husband. and says, well, why don't you come on home? Let's just take a weekend pass. Come on home. And, uh, hey, now that you're home, why don't you just uh, go home to your house? And really glad you're here. Why don't you just head on home and, like, do things that married people do and just, yeah, have a good night. Okay, but Uriah says, no, see, I've got my friends who are out here in the battlefield. There's no way I'm going to go home. And he actually sleeps there at the palace with, the, with the, uh, kind of the servants. Well, David finds out he didn't go home. So what does David do? Well, so he makes everything right, and he kind of brings it out in the open, and he says, look, I just, I really messed up, and I've got to seek forgiveness here, and I've got to try to make, Rick is that what he does? He has this another so moment. And no, that's not what he does. He says, hey, why don't you uh, come over to my house? And he barbecues. It's Memorial Day. He gets out a few brewskis. And he, he gets Uriah drunk. And he says, Uriah, hey, I know you're stumbling home. I've got a chariot waiting for you to take you home. You just give that guy, his name's Tony, you just give him a call. He'll take you home uh, to your house and you can just kind of hang out for the evening, you know? Just have a good time. But Uriah, even in his even in a state of mind, says, no, uh, I'm not going to do that because my friends are out in the battlefield potentially losing their lives. How can I go home and just be with my wife? And so he doesn't do that. So the next morning, David finds out he didn't do that again. And see, David's pulling out all these stops. And so David decides to make it right decides to come out of the shadows and decides to say hey let's just figure out a way to to work this out I can't believe I did this here's what happened here's what unfolded does David do that no so he's faced with three so moments and he chooses one path when he could have chose the other it would have been difficult it would have been incredibly stressful it would have been challenging it would have been humbling it would have been ugly in some ways but what it would have led toward health, but that's not what David does. Actually, David sends a message with Uriah back out to the battlefield to Joab, who's in charge. Basically sends Uriah up to the front of the battlefield, and the army pulls back, and he's, he's killed. So now Bathsheba gets word that you know, her husband's killed in a few weeks or months. We don't know how long it goes by, and she moves in with David, and everything's good, right? Because that's how things work. But the truth is, secrets aren't really truly a secret, are they? In fact, you can read the next chapter, and the prophet Nathan comes to him and says, tells him this allegory, this story, and he says, David, um, there's this guy that he had like one sheep, right? And there's this rich guy that had like hundreds. And some guy travels to town, and instead of this guy slaughtering one of his for a feast, he actually steals it from this neighbor, and he, he kills his sheep and has this feast. And David's like, that guy... That guy's a jerk. That guy needs to die. And then in one of the famous quotes of the Bible, Nathan looks right at David and says, you're that guy. See, secrets aren't ever truly secret. We may keep them quiet, but they will not stay silent. We may do everything we can to keep them quiet on the outside, but they are not silent on the inside. Could you imagine David's conversations in the next few days as he's faced these so moments and he's made these decisions and he's sent things and just ripple effect of just bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. Can you imagine the conversations of people coming in, maybe some of his attendants coming into the the room there and, hey, David, how's it going? Just what's up today? What's up? Did you hear something's up? Did you know something's up? How do you know something's up? I'm fine. I'm fine. Back off. David, I was just asking you what's up today. What's, what, what are you so edgy about? Nothing. I'm not edgy. I'm not edgy at all. Why? Because when you cover something up, it eats away like a 100 chihuahuas inside of you, doesn't it? I don't like chihuahuas. I don't like cats either, but cats don't gnaw on you. And they just annoy you. Um, but for all you cat lovers, I'm uh, sorry. Um, but there's this. There's something that goes on. See, when you tell a secret, you keep a secret, you finally have to get, you, it has this compounding effect. You tell a lie, and then you gotta tell another lie, and then you tell another lie, and then you tell another one, and pretty soon it's just grown, it's this compounding effect, same way with secrets. And this truth of what the Bible has to say is, look, you can live this cover-up pattern, and you can have this cover-up mentality, but you will be robbed of life. That's what's happening for David in this moment. It's like, it's like the pool, right? So we're gonna go swimming this summer, right? Some of you have been swimming. If you have a beach ball, if you've ever played this game, when you have a beach ball that's uninflated, you can hold it underwater, right? You can deal with it, you can hold it underwater and, and it doesn't really do anything. It's kind of hidden underwater. But if you ever played the game where the beach ball is inflated and you've gotta hold it underwater, And so you balance yourself on top of it and you're trying to, all your energy and all your effort trying to hold this thing down and to keep it down underwater. And and a lot of truth is like this. When we keep secrets and we keep feeding that secret, it's like we keep blowing air into it. And the more air and more life you give to it, the more challenging it becomes to actually keep it under the surface of life. And we think we can get away with it. We think we have the strength and we think we have the power and the know-how But the truth is, friends, a secret is never truly a secret. And it may be quiet on the outside, but it's not silent on the inside. And it begins to gnaw at you. And all throughout the Bible, there's this call to you and to me to say, hey, the kind of life you want is this uncovered kind of life, not the cover-up type of life. That to live this life of what the Bible would say is integrity or authenticity that the best you know how you live in the light not the shadows and all throughout the story of David and all throughout these other moments these so moments we have a choice it's like these two paths are in this moment remember Robert Frost in his poem a road not taken he said two roads diverge in a wood and I took the one less traveled by and that has made all The difference. Sometimes it seems like the cover-up is the easy path. It seems like the cover-up, the secret just keeps something hidden. It seems like that's the easy thing to do. But a secret is never truly a secret. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Just a verse to remind us about an all-knowing, all-powerful, and thankfully an all-loving God verse like this in verse 13, says nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Wow, that's heavy, Jack. Like, dude, how how am I supposed to, that's like, that's weighty. Yeah, it is. But it's weighty toward freedom. It's weighty toward this notion of saying the kind of life that you want, the kind of life when you close your eyes and you picture and you desire for yourself, it's not one in the shadows, is it? It's one in the light, when you can live with a freedom, that you're not trying to cover something up or to keep something hidden. It's this invitation to say, God, you are all-powerful, you are all-knowing, and thank you that you are all-loving and that you care for me, you pull me into the light, you woo me into that, because the truth is that it's the enemy who always has the whispers toward getting you toward the dark. Keep it a secret, keep it hush, keep it on the down low, keep it hidden. Those are the whispers of the enemy. And we know his plan, to destroy and to steal joy, and to steal life from you. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and that you may have life, what? To the full. If you're burdened, well, then come to me and I'll give you rest. Come into the light. You don't have to carry that around. And there's this challenge. In fact, if you go through the Bible, oftentimes it'll be this notion of sometimes our baggage that we try to keep hidden can turn into a stronghold can turn into something that actually takes root and begins to, to kind of keep you from becoming the person that God has created you to be and is calling you to be. And it's when we, we give that thing or that issue or that habit or that something, whatever that it might be for you, when we give that more authority over your life than Jesus. And when we give it more authority than Jesus, well, then we lose in that scenario. And Jesus is saying, no, I want you to bring it into the light and breaking strongholds is about renouncing. It's about saying, I I don't want that anymore. I have my own so moment, and I choose to go this way. And it might be the road that's less traveled, but it's the road that takes me toward God and toward healing. And it may be scary, and it may be difficult, and it may be challenging, but it leads toward what? Health and healing. And it's the better path to take. And David figured that out eventually but he struggled with that at the beginning. In fact, you can read Psalm 51. That's part of the invitation I'm gonna give you this week is just to, to read Psalm 51 because it's written from David right after he finally gets kind of a, called on the carpet from Nathan. And he says, oh, whoa, I gotta get this right. I gotta get this right. And he, he kind of unpacks some of that hidden baggage that he's been carrying. And taking down strongholds in life means replacing lies with truth. It's saying, you know what, for some of you, maybe you grew up in a dysfunctional home and it was a challenging home setting for you and you never could win the approval of your dad or your mom and that has marked you ever since and it has been a part of your journey and you hold that baggage and you keep it hidden and you keep it covered up so that no one would know that and you have bought into the lie that you are not worth anything. And for... Friend, you need to replace that with truth. That the creator of the heavens and earth came on a rescue mission for you. Because he said, you're worth coming to get. Even if you are the only one here. You're worth it to him. You know, for some of you, you bought into the lie of it's my beauty and it's it's everything that's just a physical outer appearance, and everything has to be right. And if it's not right, I will never measure up to this attain level of beauty and what it's supposed to be. And friend, you need to replace that with truth, that you are the beloved of God. Maybe you, you've had the challenge where you've gone through this horrible breakup and you've bought into the lie that you are that you will never be loved again because you're too broken. Or you're too shattered. And I want to say to you, that's a lie. It's part of the whispers of the enemy. You are worth pursuit. And God pursues you. And he brings friends around you who pursue you. With love and grace. Maybe you've trusted him to forgive your past, but it's the most recent mistake that you can't quite give over to him. And you need to be reminded that your sins have been cast as far as the east is from the West, and you are not defined by a past decision, whether it was way in the past or whether it was this past Thursday. You're not defined by that. As you trust in Jesus, he calls you into grace to become more and more who you were created to be. Can I look at one more truth here from the scriptures? Psalm, or Proverbs 10, verse nine. This kind of just portrays kind of the The underlying foundation of how we're to live here's what it says the man or the woman of integrity walks securely but he who takes crooked paths will be found out that a secret is never truly just a secret and that choices that we make and decisions that we had that we that we take and and things that we we go they can get us sideways in life and we may try to do our best to cover them up but person who walks Securely as a person who walks with integrity, that the best they know how. And that when they mess up and they face their own so moment, they choose the other path. And they choose to say, no, I'm going to walk this way. And you may have been treading down the other path for quite some time and just kind of fallen down and and skinning up your legs and skinning up your faith and your soul. And Jesus would say to you, "Do, do you want to try a different path? Because when you have a so moment, you have a choice. And he's saying, why don't you choose this one? Why don't you choose to be a person of integrity the best you know how? One of the values we have here at Element City Church is progress is greater than perfection. Progress is greater than perfection. See, perfection is not anything you will ever achieve. Nor me. Perfection in being the perfect follower of Jesus, you will not succeed in that, this side of heaven. Thank you for grace, right? But progress means when I fall down, I get back up and I choose the path toward God and toward health. I don't try to run and hide and keep things secret. I don't have to carry it around. And so you seek out people, and maybe that action step we talked about last week, of name it, bring it, Leave it, name it, recognize what it is, what your baggage is, bring it, bring it to Jesus, who says, do you want to get well? Bring it to him, bring it into the light. Bring it into the light with some trusted friends around you. Listen, you don't have to broadcast your dirty laundry for everyone to see. That's not healthy anyway. But for some trusted people, some close people that you know, when they know your struggle points, and they're able to come alongside you and champion you and pray for you and encourage you and ask you those questions, here's the truth. Accountability will help you live an authentic life. We don't like accountability, but accountability will actually help protect your authenticity. And there isn't a person in this room who doesn't crave for authenticity. You want that to be a marker of your life. You want that to be a marker in other people's lives. And so it's this moment when you face your own so moment because you will. In that moment, you have a choice. You could choose to go down this path or you could choose to go down another. And all throughout the scripture, there is this call that in that so moment, choose toward health. Name it and bring it into the light, out of the shadows. Bring it toward Jesus and out of the darkness of trying to hide in something that's a lie that you haven't bought into and that's just kind of crippling you in life because it's where you find hope and healing as you do that. I want to illustrate that um, with the story of a friend of mine. His name is Cody, and Cody's here tonight. And he, uh, <clears throat> we sat down this last week, and uh, I want you to kind of hear Cody's story because I think, uh, I know, I know you'll be blessed by his story, part of the journey that God's had him on. And it's his own so moment for a lot of years choosing this other path and you'll hear the emotion of where it took him you'll hear kind of his story of where he woke up and he didn't like it but coming to a place maybe even challenging and even being forced a little bit of choosing to go another way and the hope and healing that he found in that and then uh, i want you to meet cody so let's watch that
1: Uh, My name's Cody. I uh, grew up around uh, abuse and my parents got divorced at a young age, started experimenting with marijuana and alcohol uh, throughout high school. was using, um, when I turned 19, I got addicted to prescription painkillers and eventually it led to black tar heroin. It put me in a place where I was just hopeless, it was dark. I, I pretty much didn't want to live anymore. I just didn't know a way out. There was, it was just a reoccurring cycle. I tried to quit many times, and yeah, I would always go back to it. it. It would fill the void that I was feeling in my heart. I would just isolate, keep to myself, stay away from people as much as I could. Um, it, was, it was really selfish try to hide it. I pretty much lost everything that I worked for. Uh, Material things, family, friends, uh, girlfriend. Just everything started falling apart. I ended up in the hospital a few times off of drug overdoses. Um, Once from Xanax, another time from triple C's. tried other rehab, another rehab before. Uh, It just didn't work for me, it just didn't have the dynamics that Teen Challenge has, which is uh, God. My mom kicked me out of her house in Florida and sent me on a bus back here after I had a relapse. And I thought that maybe my dad and my stepmom would take me back and let me live there. They said that I either had to find somewhere else to live or live on the street or go to Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge is 13 months long. You basically do four months in an induction center and then you go to Christian Life Ranch, which is up in New River, for seven months. And then you come back for two months for re-entry and then you graduate. Uh, Basically, uh, scripture memorizations, they have a curriculum of reading books and uh, door-to-door, which is fundraising for the ministry, and a lot of other jobs hire Teen Challenge students to do work and they pay the ministry. The well, Teen Challenge is a no smoking, no any anything. So you have to go without nicotine and that was pretty much a lot harder than uh, you know, kicking the drugs. It's definitely a culture shock because I've never um, read the Bible before. I've never prayed continuously. I've never done anything that I ever thought I would do in my life that I'm doing now. It was scary just being in a different environment that I was used to, uh, it was weird that people are nice to me, and that people actually genuinely cared. I learned a lot about the Bible. Uh, Teen Challenge, they actually say that 13 months in Teen Challenge is like seven years in church, so uh, I got knowledge of the Bible, I can actually understand it. I got a personal relationship with Christ, uh, which is most important. This past weekend the graduation was awesome. Uh, I've been out of Teen challenge for about six months but we finally had our actual graduation. Um, I never finished anything I started throughout my whole life. I dropped out of high school. I ended up getting my GED eventually um, projects that I just started in my life that I never finished And I finally get to say that I finished something that I started. The feeling of leaving uh, the addictions and the depression and everything in my life, the shame that I felt uh, behind and just getting rid of that baggage, it made me feel free for once. And just like a weight was lifted off my shoulder. I always felt like I was carrying the world and like everyone was against me. It was just me versus everyone, and to get rid of that is just liberating. (laughs)
0: I wanted to pray for you but I wanted you to stand in this moment for that because Cody I'm so proud of you not only for finishing team challenge which you said was a big deal for you and I know as Tuesday we were filming That's that's a huge deal But I wanted you to know that your church family is proud of you and is praying for you. So you matter to us. Cody has some awesome news. He just got hired um, to go and, uh, well, you don't want to clap yet because he's got a tough job. Um, He's going to go cook for the wildfire crews that are over in California for the next four months. So he's going to be out in that and we wanted to take a moment just to pray for him as he's going to be away from us for a few weeks here and uh i would love just on behalf of all of us just kind of pray for cody and 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 then after i'm done you can give him another round of applause because i want that to kind of ring in his ear for the next few months so (laughs) father i thank you for my friend cody and i thank you for the story um i know four minute video doesn't capture all the ups and downs and i know for his dad and for his stepmom and for his mom uh, the journey that they were on with him, and uh, championing him the best they knew how in those moments. And Father, I thank you for the grace of Jesus, who may let us run when we choose to run, and we try to hide, and we try to cover up, but who doesn't quit on us, and is always pulling us back uh, toward healing and hope and help. And I thank you that you rescued Cody. And I thank you for his relationship with you, Jesus, and we as his church family just want to bless him and just pray for your just incredible encouragement and your presence to be palatable and just ever present and close and and near to him as he's out uh, in California in these wildfires and that you just bless his conversations and allow him to find some others who are believers in you and just who could speak and continue to pour into him. I thank you for just the accomplishment of finishing Teen Challenge and many of the Teen Challenge folks that are here with us tonight and just the ministry they have here in Arizona in changing lives with the grace and hope of Jesus. So, Father, we pray your blessing over Cody simply because he's one of your favorite kids. So take care of him. We love him. And we thank you, Jesus, for all of that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. See, the truth is, we don't control our secrets. Our secrets actually control us. And if we don't figure out a way to kind of, in that so moment that we all have, to choose to walk toward healing and hope and help, then we end up trying to do the cover-up, and David did that for a little while, and then he writes this psalm, Psalm 51, and I want to encourage you, I'm not going to go through that right now, but just encourage you this week to look through it, because it may, this may have stirred up something for you, maybe some hidden baggage that you're carrying, and the truth is, as we go into a moment of just remembering communion, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus and his death his burial his resurrection more importantly that says hey my grace is enough for you it's enough you don't have to work for it it's here it's enough and as uh, we come in just a moment I'm going to pray and we're going to be able to take communion if you want to do that we're going to sing a couple songs here we'll close out our night and uh, would you just pray with me and I want to pray for you I want to pray for us father that we would be a people we will become a church movement of the grace and hope of Jesus that whispers to people a stronger call to say you don't have to live in the shadows. You don't have to crave the dark. You don't have to go with all the energy to try to keep a cover-up. There's actually healing and hope available to you. So, Father, for my friends tonight, for all of us, whether the hidden baggage we have is just a small carry-on or whether it's a freight load. God, may we be able to name it and bring it to you and to leave it with you. You are much better with it than we are. So, Father, would you help us to be people that learn how to, how to live free and to travel light. We remember communion. We remember the truth that you came on a search and rescue mission for us, Jesus. As we worship you in song, may you stir our hearts, may we reflect on this truth in our own so moments of life. May you meet us in these next few moments. May we worship you in action, in the word, in our mind, in our heart. Each one of us maybe needs to take a next step for us. Would you reveal what that is for us this week? We pray that your spirit would be moving and that you'd allow us to experience you in a fresh way now.